It's episode 109 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with the founder and CEO at Gulf Reach Consulting, which is a nonprofit organization, and she's also the founding partner at Gulf Reach Institute. I'm talking about Suraida Nanez James. Welcome. Thank you, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here just talking to you. Uh, I know we've been trying to get together. I just, you know... Had to be the right time, right? Absolutely. And thank you for dealing with my, like, literally any time I interacted with you being like, hey, you want to be on? <laughs> no pressure. But I'm never going to leave you alone until you just flat out tell me no, which you never did. And thank you. Um, yeah. But I feel like now is a very good time because you are just doing amazing things. I mean, your um, your focus is in STEM, which is the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which women in STEM are special to my heart because I, I have a science background and so um yeah I just admire you so much so thank you for being here so have you always been scientifically inclined mathematically inclined did you know from the get-go that you loved the the stem fields I know that I always was curious you know, as a kid, I love to be outdoors. I love to, to play outdoors, discover, you know, we, at one time, you know, we didn't have any toys, so we got rocks and we broke them open and we pretended they were jewels because they, they were shiny. And, you know, I loved really kind of putting things together. Uh, it was kind of a rough start, I think, for me, but school and education was always an outlet, so I was, I was good at it. And... So I, I always focus on that, but it wasn't really until I was 12, uh, I saw a special, and I can't remember, you know, we, we didn't really travel too much, and then the travel that we did was actually to Corpus Christi. I'm originally from San Antonio, I grew up, was born and raised in San Antonio there, and so wow. we would go yeah, to Corpus for, you know, our vacation, and my uncle would take us, and and go to the beach, you know, the beach, and I was always taking some home, some stuff home that I probably shouldn't have, and it smelled. But it, <laughs> it does. Yeah, if you take anything <laughs> from the that. beach, don't do it, or do it, but just be but, ready for the yeah, smell. But, absolutely. But it really wasn't until I was 12, I think, I remember was kind of the, the, the moment that I was like, man, I really want to do marine biology, and I want to be a scientist. I didn't actually think, I think, at the moment that it would happen, right? We saw all these cool things um on on tv and people doing all these cool stuff and uh at that moment i didn't see it but i i wanted it mm -hmm. and you know so from there it kind of went back and forth i didn't want to be an english teacher believe it or not i wanted, I to, be wanted to be an english teacher <laughs> i love that I loved english yeah, same I loved english uh i love languages i'm fluent in spanish and in english oh that's so, it, so awesome it was, uh, it, it was great. Actually, Spanish is my first language. Okay. And then, so I had to, side note, I had to, I did not know English very well. Spanish was my first language. I learned it, uh, it was with my grandmother a lot. She didn't speak any English. She's from Mexico. And so, you know, I spent a lot of weekends with her and summers with her, and she, she helped raise me. So I had to learn Spanish. But and when I started school, you know, you have to learn English, and my mom's like, you know what, they're going to put you in a special class if you don't learn English. So I think I learned like English in two weeks and learned how to write my name and the alphabet till H and that was done. And then I had to go from there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Being bilingual, I have s tremendous respect for, um, because oftentimes you hear that, 
you know, when your first language is, is Spanish or whatever language it may be, as soon as you have to start, uh, you know, being more uh, engulfed in the American culture, they try to kind of, you know, cast that to the side, but you held on to it. So have you always speak Spanish that your whole life? Did you take a break at one point? Um, I think when I got married, for sure, because my husband didn't speak it, although he appreciates the culture he, he loves. He's actually trying to learn right now and trying to reteach my daughter. Um, I felt bad for not focusing on trying to teach her when she was little. She spoke it. Now, it you know, having both of them who don't speak it, it's a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. But I spoke it my, my entire life. And then middle school and high school, I wanted to learn how to read and write it. So I took you know, Spanish classes and got lots of hours and did all that and literature and, um, but it's a big part of who I am and it's a way for me to connect, you know, I've had the, like you said, STEM, that has actually provided me so many avenues because we, we've done work internationally with other companies that I worked for where you have that background and people just, you know, it's, it's, it's normal. It's more comfortable for somebody to to connect if they know your language. Absolutely. So it was always easy for me to do that. So pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome. And especially, like you said, you, you love language. And so I think that gives you a leg up in learning also. Uh, so you initially thought that marine, being a marine biologist wasn't going to happen. And why is that? It, it was far-fetched. So my dad dropped out. He, uh, you know, it was the boys on his side usually dropped out in ninth grade. And they went to work to help the family. Uh, the girls did were allowed to to stay in school and graduate, and then they were to get a job or get married. And my mother, uh, she had both my brother and I in high school, so she she was we were both sick, and she never finished. Unfortunately, never finished high school. We have pictures of her. It's odd to see in her graduation gown, but we were both sick, and so just you know, it, stuff happened. We were sick. She wasn't able to finish. And I, I, I didn't, I think I saw it. I, sometimes I don't give myself credit, right? Because in order to, to be able to see that, I just wanted something a little different. I wanted to see what the world had. And, but there were, there were some other things I think in my life that maybe it's like, well, you know, you just need to finish school, high school, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And, but edu- again, like I said before, education was always so important to me. It was, it was a way for me to, not only, you know, rise myself, but I always loved teaching. You know, I, I used to tutor other students and I used to help my brothers and sisters with their work when I could. And, and it was always fulfilling for me. But so maybe I didn't give myself credit. I, you know, in order to get where I'm at, I really had to do a lot of work. Absolutely. I'm glad you're recognizing that. That's one of my favorite things about talking to y'all is for you to really reflect on all the entire path that's gotten you where you are currently. And of course you still have so many other places you're going to go, but as of right this second for certain, I mean, and it's pretty clear that, you know, teaching runs in your blood because you're also a teacher currently. And and so what subject are you teaching? I teach all biology. I teach the science. So biology, pre-AP biology, and then AP biology, which is kind of a college level course for upper level students. And then now this year I found out I was teaching sixth grade as well. And, and then, but I do work with my company with, with youth and mm-hmm. that's kind of where I want to stay is, is working with them. Cause I really think 
Uh, it's fun, you know, it keeps you young and <laughs> current, even though I'm still a nerd. They're like, Ms. James, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be the first to tell you, too. Oh, yes. They're like, some TikTok, I don't even know what that is. I, I never got into it. And I did something, they're like, do this. And I did it as a dance or something. And they're like, she did it. <laughs> but, you know, I think when you, when you just, you're just real with them, they tend to, to gravitate. And, you know, it's, teens are not always easy. And if you, you know, if you can think back to when you were 16, I'm like, I would not want to, I would not want to be my own parent. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but I think it's important to start, I, especially with someone like you who really loves doing it. It's so important to start with them when they're young, but also old enough to, you know, have their own ideas and formulate their own thoughts and that kind of thing. I, I think that that's a really exciting age to work with. And it sounds to me like you like it. I do. And, you know, recently I started working with more of the little ones. So my daughter is eight years old. She's going to be nine in September. Oh my goodness. Nine going on 18, right? Mm -hmm. But she, you know, I wanted to do even with a lot of the things that I do, she's always been with me. So when I work, I did work at the aquarium before and I was a STEM integration manager there and distance learning manager. Oh, so wow. We had, yeah. For three years and we worked you know, I helped to bring a lot of the science into the into the aquarium and, you know, scientists and a lot of them were colleagues and then people that I knew before. But she went with me because I couldn't leave her at home. My husband was he's the teacher as well and he coaches. So there was nobody to take care of her. So she went with me to a lot of events that I could bring her to a lot of the teen science cafes that we did there. Mm -hmm. And it's just I was like, they at that age, there's like no inhibition. Like the girls, they just ask questions. There's, they're not worried about what people think. They're not worried that they can't or cannot do or can or cannot do things. And so, you know, there, there is a program, um, I saved this bit for you that it's called STEM Chicas. So we're going to be launching that soon. Hopefully oh this my fall. gosh. Yeah. Yes. So. I'm so excited for this. And so it's, it's five to about 10 years old. I don't know how it's going to look, you know, with everything we have going, I'm so excited. We did a small pilot program. We had about four girls from Evelyn school, uh, join one of our teen science cafes that, uh, Carla, one of my friends, she's a chemical engineer at CIFCO did, and they just loved it. But just like the Gulf Reach Institute, the focus is going to be on science, health, and culture. Mm -hmm. So you can put STEM in all of those things mm -hmm. and we want stem chicas uh, to, to be able to to embody that and I have lots of ideas for for how it's going to work um, but you know like any other project and you know this I just, it just gotta it's just gotta take off in the midst of all this uh, it's gonna have to be virtual for a little bit mm -hmm. but you know starting it is is the first step even if it's not perfect or if it doesn't go right or two people show up or <laughs> Oh yeah, that's okay. If one person shows up, like that's that's success. Someone was just telling me that. Oh no, it was an actually my friend's a friend of mine's podcast. She just started a podcast, and uh, they say that like it's successful if you execute it. It's successful if if one person shows up, you know, or or is it even inquires about it. So, not to mention the fact that you you're already pretty well, like rehearsed in this kind of. Uh, these kinds of activities so I want to back up a little bit so when did you fully commit to a marine science biology and is that what brought you to corpus a marine science um, yes. degree I'm sorry uh, marine uh, science degree 
So I went to, it was, well, let's just first say to high school, I did not like high school very much. So Neither did <laughs> I. I. So, you know, I had like one year I liked. Get out. Yes. In my senior year, I, want, I only applied to one school. Um, I've never been good at standardized testing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know. This is so funny to it. hear. I would never think that about you. <laughs> oh, oh, I had to take it like twice, the SAT twice and ACT twice. And then I just like, I can't take it anymore because we couldn't afford it. You mm-hmm. know, it costs money to take these tests, these mm-hmm. standardized tests. But I applied and I, and I make fun because I still keep in touch with a lot of the, the staff and the administration um, at the university they applied for because it was such a small university. It was a small black and white brochure that was not even folded right. <laughs> and it said Texas A&M University Galveston. And it said Marine Biology and I was like, oh, I want to do that. Uh, it's the only school that's actually part of A&M College Station. You know, my diploma says A&M College Station. It doesn't say Galveston on it. So oh, wow. We call ourselves Sea Aggies. <laughs> and, and I was admitted. And there was about 800 people on campus. On We call it Pelican. It's Pelican Island in, in Galveston, Texas, 800 people. And, you know, that's where I where. You know, I knew my senior year I wanted to go to college for sure. That was always a part of what I wanted to do, and I was going to get there somehow. Mm-hmm. And got admitted, got admitted, and did well. Took some time off, you know, because I, I did part time to try to work and try to work my way through it. You're it amazing for that. You are any college kid <laughs> who's taking courses and working. You are amazing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and then after that, you know, fast forward. I met my husband there and lots of my lifelong friends and that I still talk to today, you know, shout baby shower from what bachelorette parties to baby showers, and now, you know, wine parties. Yeah. Now. But it, it, it was a great time and it was my great, it was a great experience. I loved being on campus and it was very different from high school. Cause I graduated with a class of almost 900. I graduated from Judson high school. And then I went to a class I went to a school that was 800 on campus and you know when That's I graduated nothing. it was 136 I know wow and I wanted something more in, in uh, intimate once I graduated I was already working for NOAA uh, the National Oceanographic Whoa! Really? Yeah. That's I was, huge. I was a PI. Whatever so, you work uh, for NOAA? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tell me more. That's so, wow. That's major. Well, I don't know if you want to know. Yeah, I I had some great mentors, you know, Tom Manello. They did a lot of benthic ecology. That's what I did, um, sort through things. But he also gave me the opportunity to do my very first experiment that I always tell my students. I'm like, oh, my gosh, science. This is what science is about. You know, you you don't always get it right. And you probably are guaranteed not to get it right the first time. And if you you do, something's weird. Research again. Yeah, that's what we call it research. You you know, the first time I was telling I was like, guys, if you fail, you just you have to start again. Figure out, analyze what you did, reflect on it, start again. And, and that's the only way that you'll get answers to some questions and then you're gonna get like twenty other answers that are gonna be taken up somewhere else. Okay, so long story short again, we're going back. Um, my professor there was a professor that really graduated young professor and he was looking for graduate students. And he's like, Hey, I got a job at Texas A&M, University of Corpus Christi, and I need graduate students. So I was like, we'll go. And so Jason's <laughs> like, I'll go too. Because <laughs> um, they, t- 
in this field, you kind of have to have a higher degree in order to, to do research and go through. So we went, and that was Dr. Greg Stunts. Uh, I knew him as Greg. I don't think we were called Dr. Stunts. So he's at the university now. He does a bunch of shark stuff and discovery and, and all that. So, yeah, we were his first graduate students. So that's what brought us to Corpus Christi in 2003, which is when we started. Wow. And so did you guys decide to make Corpus your permanent home after that? Or was there still a little bit of back and forth before you decided to move here for sure? We were here until we graduated. And then I worked two years um, for Dr. Tunnel at the Heart Research Institute on campus. Doing, uh, I did you know a lot of his editing and working on projects for him. And then also, that was really the first time that I started doing what I consider education outreach. You know, I said, hey, I want to do this. And he really supported me in it. He's like, you know, why do you want to do it? Um, because there really wasn't a lot of education outreach at that university for that institute. There, there hadn't been much. And we started the Laguna Outreach Project. And that was with Moody High School. Wow. And so we, we started, we took students to Laguna Madre on a boat. Yeah. Can you imagine me driving a boat? <laughs> I, <Actually>. can. <laughs> I can. I <laughs> can. So we, we would take students and some of this, it was awesome because, you know, some of those students live in Corpus Christi, but have never even been to the beach and never been on a boat, never had to stay overnight somewhere because there was no electricity. It's generator run. If you've ever been to Laguna Madre field station run by A&M. And so, it, it, you know, it was good. Uh, after that, I decided I did want to go get my PhD. Uh, that you did finish, not? So I did not finish. So I, which is crazy because I did two years and all my classes were done. I had turned in my proposal. Uh, we actually left. Um, I got a fellowship to the University of Louisiana Lafayette to get a PhD in evolutionary and environmental biology there. Wow. And so, uh, but it was great. I mean, it was an international graduate student body. I had amazing professors, Dr. Lawrence Roses. He was at the top of his field, and so was Daryl Felder. And it's like kind of those old kind of marine ecologists that are really well-known, but well-respected and very high integrity and hard workers, hard workers. Uh, so I didn't leave because, you know, it was a bad situation in any way. Uh, I wanted to have a family, and I wanted to be close to my family. So that actually brought us back to Corpus. And, you know, a few months later, maybe a couple of months, a few months, um, I was, you know, we worked and then we finally had a baby. I worked for the Gulf of Mexico Foundation and then we went to, um, decided to have a baby. So, wow. 2011. Yeah. So, wow. but we love Louisiana. We love Louisiana. It was awesome. Good food, good people. Mm-hmm. I've only been on vacation a few times, but I really just the vibe there. I, I just really liked it. That's a place I would like to visit more. <laughs> Uh, so something that you said earlier that I really liked and I wanted to touch on is that when what true science is, is constantly revising your point of view based on, you know, whatever evidence you get or facts or data. Um, yes. And I want to say, I hope I'm correct when I when you made a post about this concerning the current situation going on with the coronavirus and how people are, are frustrated because, you know, uh, healthcare officials are, are changing their recommendations, but it's based on the more data they get. And right. yeah, so can you go over that a little bit more and why it's important to make adjustments based on new information? Well, and I think, um, I think I had done another post too where I had posted 
it's a wheel, right? Where if you look at science back then, the way we used to teach it, or even when I first went into the classroom, I was like, this is not the way science works. Science is not linear, a linear process. I have a question. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to set up the experiment. I'm going to get my data, analyze it, and then conclusion, and then we're done. The way science works, it's a, it's never ending. You know, it's all one part is always feeding into the next one. And it's just so important to, to understand the process. And I think that's what maybe people, and it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, that I'm saying, oh, everybody should understand all the papers and everything and all this data statistics, but just understanding the basic process of how science works so that you understand that it's not that they said that then they changed their mind. We are literally seeing science unfold before our eyes. And if you've never seen science in that context, it may seem wishy-washy. Oh, they said this two months ago, but now they're saying it's not. Well, because the more data we have, the more decisions we can make on that data. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any kind of drugs that are being put out there, vaccines, you know, there's, there's probably pros and cons to any of them, but there has to be some kind of process to vent those things that people are saying. Um, and scientists, you know, just like any other profession, you know, this Brittany, there's some really bad scientists and bad doctors and there's, but in general, the process in which we, in which we take in which we use to do these things, it's done for a reason. Yes. Um, so that we can have some trust and in information um, and that's, you know, that's probably the sad part, I think, for me, is that it's being questioned, and it's not being questioned in the sense from a perspective of actually understanding the process first, and then saying, well, this, this, and that. Because there's some things I don't agree with, I'm like, eh, because mm-hmm. you've read, I've read papers, and you've probably read papers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how in the world did they get this published? But, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, it's not even a, but it's not even about that you're like okay let me look at the references and and see you know what they were talking about and what a true literature review is and what that means and you know and, and I think that's why I said science education is so important that even and I tell this to my kids you're you may not become a STEM professional I don't expect everybody in this room to become a scientist or a biologist or an engineer but you are going to be a productive citizen. And in order to do that, you need to be able to understand and just think about things critically. And how do you weigh that against the process? How do you find out if something is valid or not? And that's a and big where one it's coming from. Yeah, that's a big so, one right now. And as a scientist, we try to remain, you know, unbiased, which is hard. And that's why my post Sometimes, you know, emotion, you, we all get the emotion, especially nowadays, but I try to be, I try to be as unbiased as, as possible and just present, hey, this is what, you know, one, I'm teaching kids in this community, right? Teach, I'm giving them stuff because there's lots of stuff on, on Facebook and I'm like, you know, you, you really have to think about where you're getting your resources and your references and then how you evaluate that. And, it, and it's a process because you have to think, um, yeah, exactly. You have to think. That's like the simplest <laughs> and truest statement that can like uh and most impactful statement especially now. Think. Yeah, and it's not bad to question or to believe in other things because I teach at a I teach at a Catholic school too right now. I I taught at a public school 
and my daughter goes to a Catholic school. I go to IWA. And I just, you know, the beginning of the summer, we spent two weeks looking at science and religion. And, you know, you could see that as a conflict. And it really wasn't. I would, honestly, I was super surprised how it wasn't a conflict. I love hearing this. I love hearing this perspective. I was like, what? But y'all don't believe, because I get that from my students. Well, we're a Catholic school. Why are we learning about evolution? And, you know, in the first year I taught there, I was like, I don't know, because uh, it actually happens. But, yeah, in the context of faith, how, how does that work? And, um, you know, I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm just, you know, I guess it's non-denominational. But, you know, students ask those questions. They ask some deep questions, you know, are, is there life beyond us and um, all these things. So it was a really good, it was a program that we were accepted to we were supposed to go to Notre Dame but because of COVID-19 no way yeah oh my gosh (sighs) (laughs) both of us (laughs) it's okay it's okay something better something better is gonna happen yes so instead we spent two weeks and then I'll apply for for the next uh, uh, they called it like a capstone project and that's going to be on evolution and, and science and religion and the aspect of evolution. So it should be interesting. That is very year, so. interesting. And that, that to me says a lot about you because, you know, coming from a scientific background, you also, uh, some of our peers are very much, you know, just completely intolerant of um, people who believe otherwise, right? Like, like non-science-based beliefs. And for you to be able to actually go in and you know, come to your own conclusions and teach here, even though, you know, it may not necessarily be exactly like you're, like you're not indoctrinated in that way is tremendous. Like that says a lot about you as a scientist and as a person. Thank you. Absolutely. Like how many people go in there and say that kind of thing? And that to me goes to show even, even more so that you were meant to be a teacher. And so when did you, because you have to get certified or is it like once you have your graduate degree, you can just go teach. How does that work? You do have to get a certification. Uh, You can go alternative or you can do like my husband did master's in certification at A&M Corpus Christi. There's different programs Um, at IWA. I just have to have a master's. They prefer Because I have, you know, I've had teaching experience. I had about 12 years, if you look at um, informal education and formal education. So they just want highly qualified teachers, which is nice, you know, since the pressure of if if you needed to take a test or not. Mm -hmm. But but no, not not for IWA. But at the same time, you know, I do my degree is in biology. I have a master's in biology. And then I had another 36 hours in biology. So I'm definitely qualified to, to teach the classes there. And they've been really accommodating. <laughs> I've learned a lot. There's some stuff in biology. I'm like, I have not looked at this stuff since 1995 when I first started. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, cause we, you know how we are. You, you concentrate once you get into masters, you know, ecology was my thing. I did fisheries. Um, I was a field worker. I did some lab stuff. And so I'm not really looking at cell communication and proteins. And, That's true. You know, protein. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Okay. And and describe or actually define ecology because I remember I had no idea what ecology was when I took it. I ended up really liking it, but it's not a, a science subject you hear much about unless you're getting a degree in it. 
So if you look at ecology, you're looking at all the aspects. So, you know, abiotic is non-living and biotic is living. So you're looking at the relationships between everything together as a system and not just looking at just the living things or just the non-living things, temperature and, and you know, moisture, humidity, uh, salinity, all of those things. You're looking at the relationship and the, the interrelationship between everything and how and that system is working. And I loved it because you, we know that we're all connected. And, and it seems like just recently, I know it's been probably in the last decade or so, that we've put ourselves into that equation um, through through understanding how we impact that system. Because that's huge. How, yeah, the anthropogenic effects on the ecosystems that we are having and how how do we go about making sure that we are doing our best not to impact those systems because we've seen it, you know, this is the year for a big impact that we had. Um, but other things too, just in general that mm-hmm. you see every day on the beach mm-hmm. and you know, how does, how does that affect us? So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's a, it's, it's a really interesting subject that I just took. I took one course on it when I was getting my biology, uh, my BS in biology and uh, I just remember loving it so much. So to hear that you just pursued it and worked in it for years, to me, has to feel so rewarding. And so when did, yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. Because I mean, because, you know, whenever you're taking those intro courses, I mean, it's just kind of surface level investigation. And then what you're doing is just much more involved. And then especially when you're considering how humans, I mean, that's a huge effect. And, and like you said, you know, the, the little bit of um, quarantining that happened around the world and look, look how these natural ecosystems bounce back just totally blows my mind. But we, we all knew and then we actually got to see it. Like you said, science is literally happening before our, our eyes in more ways than one. And so, okay, you actually describe yourself as a science, health and education entrepreneur. So tell me more about that. So the the science part, you know, you know about the science education. I teach uh, the programs through Gulf Reach Institute focus on youth programming, teen science cafe. And then uh, my page will go live soon. So anybody who wants to come, um, I've been selling and, and more using. I haven't really been selling too much essential oils. So looking at natural solutions for that and so my page is called, which is here, as we announced it, right? It's called Saludos con Suraida. I love and, that. Yeah. So if you know what saludos means, it's like a welcoming. Uh, and, but the core, the core word of the, is salud, which is health. So it's almost like welcoming your health, saying hello to your health uh, and anywhere you are in it. Because I think so many of us get... And we work out together, right? Yes. Like, oh my gosh, I need to be like a size three so I can work out and then I can actually, but I'm like, you're never going to get there if you don't actually work out, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't actually work out and do the stuff, but just uh, welcoming people. And we're working on some things. You will see that come out next week for, for teachers. So working with some mental health professionals, that's going to be our first one in managing stress and managing expectations with you evolve counseling uh with uh, kate rodriguez i don't know if you know her i don't and malik you should you should get you should get her on the show absolutely right? i would love to and i i would suggest the duo because it's her and malika who are really heading it up and we just and we just talked and we're going to be having 
um, a healthy teachers, happy students workshop series that we're going to work on together. They're going to take care of the expertise in the mental health and wellness. That's their expertise. There'll be a small class on the oils that you can use to help with stress management. And, and then we're going to go from there. I have somebody, um, Rafaela, who used to be here in Corpus Christi. She's going to be doing nutrition. Um, John's going to be working on our exercise. I remember you talking do. about this. That's right. Yeah. This, is, this is huge. This sounds very, very, very so, special. Too many projects, but this is something I think that is really needed right now. And the focus can be for, you know, for anybody, Saludos con Suraida is not just for teachers. Um, you know, we're going to work on some stuff for kids. Uh, mostly concentrating on the groups and the populations that I'm familiar. I'm a mom. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a teacher. I have kids. And so that's my focus. I'm not going to say, oh, I want to focus on yoga when mm -hmm. that's not my focus. But really bringing in experts that have um, all of these talents and promoting them. You know, there's absolutely no shame in promoting our businesses, especially nowadays, promote and then helping to promote others, you know, helping, you know, Kate and, and Malika promote their counseling services and John promote his business and Rafaela with her, you know, nutrition and dietitian expertise. So I'm excited. Those are that's a big project. That, so we're getting the flyer together like this weekend. The first one is going to be on August 17th. Um, that will be free for all. And then after that, we'll charge a minimal fee, but, you know, nothing people can't really afford, but just so we can get our time paid for. Absolutely. So that's the health part. Yes. The health um, and looking at just the health and then looking, um, showing kids also how a healthy environment really does affect us. Like even in your home, if you have all these toxins in your home, how that affects your body. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, looking at the science, always looking at, I think, from a from a scientific lens of the science of the health. Um, we have one that we're working on for Teen Science Cafe. I know I'm going everywhere right now. No, for, I, this is for, for excellent. September is the science of the brain. We talked to some teens. And if you know that September, I think from Todd Hunter, he had designated that Suicide Awareness Month. And that it, we want to focus our teen science cafe on that but looking at it from kind of a different perspective so that kids can understand i know some people some of the, the students that i work for is just understanding this the teen brain and because it is totally different from adults it is it is, a, is a mystery but i mean we were teenagers yeah we were teenagers yes. but i remember being just like so emotional or so mad or so whatever and just knowing, like, I can't control this. Like, it was just, I don't know, like a force bigger than me kind of thing. This is interesting. Yes. Yeah, so we want to just look at it and see. We, we haven't uh, pictured out. I know some of my students who have uh, family members in neuroscience. So we're trying to figure out who's somebody who's engaging and fun. Because I can just imagine neuroscience being like, the brain is. <laughs> and the teens are like, Ooh, yeah, no, that that's that's <laughs> important. You're right. You have to keep the kids engaged. You need somebody who's very outgoing. Hmm. You'll find yeah. someone. And um, I don't know if you heard this in the in the other had another interview, uh, but you know, suicide awareness is is important to me because that's something that I went through when I was 16, and you know, it was a big, it was just a big thing, and you know, that was kind of the first time that I shared it. That I, that I, you know, the things that I had done. And, but at the same time, giving kids, I'm, I'm able to connect. And, you know, so what was probably could be a really horrible thing ended up 
you know, working out. I'm still here. I'm very blessed. And at the same time, that's probably why I have such a passion for working with youth, uh, especially youth that I think need a little extra help mm-hmm. um, that we've seen. Because, you know, if you worked at public school, you see a lot of stuff that I don't think people understand uh, that teachers in, are going through or that they go through. And I'm not trying to be negative, but, at this, you know, you hear so much now. And you, I was like, you, you literally do not know that you have kids come into your classroom that you know are being abused, you know are hungry, uh, you know you have been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Things that I never thought I'd see. People that are having problems getting beat up, you know. And But you also get to see the kids that are that are rising. You know, we had one student, and he actually moved back to Corpus Christi. He's got a, he's got a house on Ocean. Oh, good for he him. Was, he was a... He was a, he was a um, he was a different kind of person. I actually, that's a cool story. When I was with the aquarium, I did a presentation because I was on a ship and they asked me to talk to Rotary. And so he comes up to me and I knew who he was. I recognized him. It was, he wasn't my student, but he was one of the first students I taught for Laguna Outreach Project when I was working at the Heart Research Institute. And he says, do you know who I am? And I said, yes, I, I know who you are. I said, I remember working with you. He said, yeah, he said, I saw, I saw your, I saw your face in the rotary announcement and I wanted to come see you. He said, do you remember what you told me? And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I tell this kid? I know, your brain's all, "Ah!" (laughs) He said, he goes, you told me that I just needed to grow up and that it was okay just to be who I was. And I just needed to stop trying so hard and he said that really helped me it was you and then mrs dillinger who was a person at moody she's she's now in san antonio she said y'all really helped me he said you know i know you know that my grandmother was raising me and now she's she passed away during high school so he said i was basically homeless you know living from house to house and he started his own nonprofit, a ministry to give kids that were in the foster system or were homeless to give them school supplies because he said, we always got the leftovers and I didn't want any kid to have a leftover supplies. So I made sure they had good ones. So he, he ended up going to business school, Harvard. Wow. Um, was on like some Forbes committee. I'm like, what are you doing, Chris? And wow. He came back to Moody to talk as a keynote speaker. And now he's on Ocean Drive remodeling his house. So I think he's doing okay. So <laughs> Wow. But I mean, that's tremendous for you, for him to remember those, what you told him. I mean, clearly that stuck with him. And the one that I think is so, well, I love it because it's like you need to grow up, which is, you know, to me, some tough love in a, in a nice way. But sometimes people need to be told like, hey, yeah, you need to grow up. But also to not be afraid to be who you are. That's huge. Yeah, Just be who you are. Yeah, I was like, don't try so hard. Just be who you are. Because he was. He was trying so hard. He was, um, I don't, you know, if he hears this, he knows who he is. Uh, he was being raised by his grandmother, so he didn't really have kids around. You know, some kids tried. And he was he was kind of awkward socially at times. But, uh, you know, I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like, you just find your niche and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, clearly you're here for a reason. I mean, you're touching so many people's lives 
And I got to go because I'd like to do some research on you guys before I have you on. And so I saw some of your uh, what are they called? The teen science cafes. So tell me the idea behind starting those. So we're actually part of a network that is all over the U.S. right now. It's called the Teen Science Network. And we got started at the aquarium. So I started the ones there. We initiated them in January. I forgot what year it was. And we did a few, and I, I'm not sure if they continued or not. When I left, I wanted to continue doing that because I thought it was a great program. And it was a great support system. You know, why reinvent the wheel to, mm-hmm. to be able to do that? But I wanted to do it kind of my way uh, because the network really does allow – we're part of the network, but it, you can do really whatever you want. You can partner with whomever you want. You can um, – they're supposed to be team-led. That's, that's probably the only thing that – it's not supposed to be me doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the beginning it has been because we need some team leaders and we're going to, we're, we're going to be recruiting for that soon. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be, you know how hard it is when you're like, you like to control, but you have to help them learn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> kind of let, let them go. It's like, okay, you can do that. But you, you know, there's guidance, there's guidance for that. And the the network just received uh, some more funding, so hopefully we can expand it. Um, the dream, there is a dream, a far fetched maybe five ten year dream, is to have a, have us connect try in a tri golf area where we would connect our golf states because um, there are some other team co- science cafes around the Gulf, uh, but connect us with Cuba and Mexico since I have a lot of wow. colleagues in Mexico. Oh wow! But it, it would be great to have those bilingual cafes and being able to be able to support um, some in Cuba and in Mexico. Um, since we all share an ecosystem, you know, why not start collaborating it now um, than for a resource that we all share? Mm-hmm. At an international level, that's huge. Yes. God, you yes. girl, your mind. Five, ten years. That's the five, ten years. Right? But your mind <laughs> blows my mind because I mean, you're just constantly looking at ways like for more reach because you're really thinking of it in terms of how we're all connected, how um, ultimately we're all on the same planet, and, and in this instance, we're all utilizing the same the Gulf. You know, that's major. And so what made you decide to start the nonprofit in the first place? Well, I, when I started Gulf Reach, was, that's the consulting business. You know, mm-hmm. we did, I was able to get some funding to start Teen Science Cafe, basic stuff, you know, flyers, uh, food, things like that for the kids. But, you know, the programs that I'm, I'm working on are really a nonprofit. And so funding was a big issue. You know, now, you know, we're, we're in the process of, of applying to be tax exempt. And it's, it's always so competitive. You know, I had some people who said, you know, don't do it on your own. Don't do it. Um, really? I'm like, yeah, because it's because nonprofits are, you're competing for all kinds of money. Wow. But, but I think when you believe in something, I mean, you don't, yes, I understand it's going to be hard. And I, I don't expect it, go for each institute to be a multi-million dollar in a year. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's magical. We call it magical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to come in and donate a hundred million dollars. Maybe. Although if y'all can sponsor. <laughs> Maybe. But, but to have, to have an, an organization that we can work together with a community to truly build something that we don't have here yet in Corpus Christi. I think we've tried. Austin has one. Um, San Antonio has been really good at it. It's a STEM ecosystem. Um, 
where we're really working together as partners uh, so that we really have a pipeline. If you look at the jobs now, especially during COVID-19, that are really rising, it's those STEM jobs, Mm -hmm. right? STEM, and then also a lot of the mental health professions for obvious reasons, but who's cure, you know, who's finding the vaccine? I don't want to say cure because you know you can't cure viruses. Mm-hmm. But who's finding vaccine, who's who's doing it's it's you know, who's there's engineers and all kinds of things um, to try to get that going. Gulf Reach Institute does focus and I you know, we, we need to make sure we solidify our mission statement. We do concentrate on underserved and underrepresented populations. Yes, I love with, that. Yeah, with a focus. And that's, that doesn't mean that not everyone can come in. Everyone is always welcome. But understand that when we feature um, in the next year, we feature presenters, they will probably be a person of color um, because people need to see themselves in, in, in success, right? If you Absolutely. Ever seen that TED Talk, yes. I like literally based my organization off America Ferrero's talk where it says presence creates opportunity. And that just stuck in my head. We have to be able to see other people that look like us succeeding. And that's not to say that there's not room for somebody else not to succeed. But, you know, I didn't have a person of color teach me until I was at a and Corpus Christi. Wow. <laughs> so that you know, but that's important. Some... That is so important because, yeah. I mean, some people don't have to think about that. So some people are so used to seeing themselves represented in all areas of life. There's, I mean, it's fine. It is what it is, but it's like, I think people are becoming more aware of that fact. Absolutely. And then with Gulf Reach Institute, just the opportunity to be able to hopefully contribute more and partner with others that know, you know, Lisa's really great at, uh, you know, you know, Lisa and you know, Zoraida. we all have different things that, you know, can, can you imagine how powerful we'd be when we come together because we all have we literally represent STEM. If you think about Lisa and Soraya, yes, and Andrea, yes, Andrea, who does the C um, math is easy. Oh, and that's the other thing. Congratulations on being Power Up Hero of Science Education. That's major. Oh, thank you. Yes, that was awesome. I was excited about that too. But just you know, just being able to to navigate what the real maybe the real potential obstacles are for some for some kids you know I I didn't know if I was first generation I didn't know that I had to do certain things that I could get money (laughs) so I could get money yep I didn't know you know and explaining to some parents some parents are still very traditional I know when I was at Moody we had some students and you know it was a young man extremely smart young man his parents owned a restaurant and um they did not come to the meetings that we had set up because he was chosen to go on, on, on a ship with us. And I went to the restaurant and talked to them in Spanish. And it was, it was interesting. The mother wanted to know where her baby boy was going to be and if he was going to be safe. And the dad wanted to know. He literally stood with his, just imagine his hands crossed, just looking at me and saying, is he going to get paid? What is the point of this? And just to, to be able to communicate with them and saying, hey, this is a great opportunity for your son or daughter. This is what it means to be a Latina in, in STEM. Um, because I saw something that, it didn't bother me, but I, it was interesting. A long time ago, I saw a post that said, I'm going to discourage my daughter from going into the STEM because people always encourage them to go into that field, but never tell them how it is. Oh, wow. And 
I don't think it was wow. the parent wanting to be discouraging. I think as a parent, we know we want to protect our kids. Yes. Knowing that you're going to be called things, knowing that it's going to be hard to get into positions at times mm-hmm. uh, that you may have to work harder. Mm-hmm. In. But the fact that she said that, so maybe it's, you know, so that's what we kind of want to provide. You know, there's, it's, this is a long, I have to understand this is, you know, the first five years are probably going to be the hardest get, just getting established with this, but I think it's going to be worth it for sure. Absolutely. I mean, to encourage people to go in these careers where, I mean, even women, just women in general are underrepresented, um, not to mention women of color um, or just people of color. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's time for, for everyone to realize that if this is what you're interested in and you feel like you have something to bring to the table, then you absolutely belong here just as much as anyone else. And so do you feel like being a woman of color in the STEM you know, areas, did you have a hard time doing what needed to be done? I think I was young too. And, you know, part of my top 10 strengths is, is positivity and connectivity. Oh, I love that. Uh, you I just was, said my top 10 know? strengths. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm like, what are my mine? Positivity. I'm like, uh, I did, I did my strengths test. So I always, you know, refer to my top 10 strengths in my top five. Uh, and it does have things like connectedness and, <clears throat> excuse me, and positivity. And I think at times I, it felt like I didn't have somebody to to look up to. And but at the same time, there there were maybe I just needed to look harder. Maybe it was and maybe it was a mental state, you know, of not thinking that you're good enough or not thinking that you're going to be enough mm-hmm. when you know, I did finish my master's and I had uh, Diana Marines. She was a biochemical uh, professor. She was the dean of science and technology at the college. Uh, and she always encouraged me. I mean, she was extremely direct uh, the, and got me involved in something called SACNIS, which is the Society for the Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans in Science. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it was amazing, Brittany. You went and I'm like, this is where we're at. <laughs> you know, it sounds funny, but it's really not because we went to this meeting and it was filled with just Native American individuals, Hispanics, uh, some African Americans that was made mostly for Chicanos and Native Americans, all professionals, you know, in math, in science, in evolutionary, environmental biology, chemistry, mathematical theory. And to see that many people there, you know, I, I, I experienced, I found that at the end of my master's degree, I wish I would have found it at the beginning of my college career, which, you know, people are finding now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you to have that, I think there were some struggles. Um, some of it, I think, were, were self-limiting on, on my part. So, I, you know, I need to own that. For sure. But now looking back, you know, there were some things. I, I got some comments. I remember one guy, uh, my husband was sitting next to him, and the gentleman did not know who... He was sitting next to and Jason told me afterwards he's like I can't believe what this guy said and I said well, what was it we were I was in Pensacola presenting my research and he said oh she probably didn't even do she probably didn't even go on the field and collect that data and yeah what the- I people, were, people yeah. were like don't react and I'm like what in the world is your problem but you know it just showed me his character and 
you know, it may have been because I was Hispanic. It may have been probably because I was a woman. Mm-hmm. And so the fisheries field was, um, even before me, was, was a hard one to get into because it's fisheries, right? It's kind of a men type, it's male dominated mm-hmm. and, and going into that. Uh, but I loved it. You know, I, I wanted to start on marine biology because I want to play with dolphins. <laughs> and my first mammal class, and I was like, I do not want to do dolphins. I do not want to work on dolphins. And really got into fisheries and all of those things in ecology. And that was a really cool subject. I've heard so many people say that, that they think they want to work with dolphins. And then yeah. after, get, like, observing them for a time you're like i don't want to be anywhere near dolphins <laughs> it's cool but i don't want to do that yeah <laughs> well and i i knew a girl who worked at the aquarium she was like they're jerks they're just mean they're just mean animals i mean whatever it's fine they're also super smart so what does that say right uh so when is your page the saludos con suraida gonna launch it should be uh there's I mean, I'm going to finish populating it with a couple of things, and I want to, our first um, thing to be is our partnership with uh, U of the counseling. So it probably, I'm thinking probably this weekend for sure. It's already set up, and I kind of, you know, did all my, my little pages and stuff like that for, for Facebook. But it's kind of the first initiative, again, taking that step. And, and that was actually a hard one to, to, to do. Because I've gotten a lot of criticisms from that, too. Really? Um, yeah, because they're like, I can't believe you, of all people, are, you know, selling oils. But I'm like, it's 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 different. I think if you don't understand it, mm-hmm. I love reading the articles about that. They have literally changed my life mm-hmm. as far as, you know, I had so many, not major issues, but like allergies. And just, I had migraines almost every week. Mm-hmm. And since I started using them and eliminated all these products from our house, they're magically went away. So I'm like, okay, there has to be some connection with that. For sure. I mean, and you're a scientist with a scientific mind. Like you're not just going to start touting something as, (laughs) you know, something that it works if it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's People so many, like, there's snake oil. Yeah. but there's but, so many people who love these oils and talk about the benefits of them. Like there has to be something to it. Absolutely. And I, I hope throughout the years, you know, all, all the things that I do, all the projects that I have, have, you know, have a common source. It's the science, the education and the culture. Uh, Cause our grandmothers use that, you know, Sacate yes. Limon, my grandmother would use and the clove for the toothaches. These are not, you know, oils have been marketed now, and it's multi-level markets, and you can think of it anywhere you, you want, but these aren't new to people, to, you know, indigenous people, Native Americans. Uh, my grandmother, who who used them, her mother, who was basically the curandera in her, in her little town in Mexico, there wow. were no pharmacies. Exactly. So they went to her, you know, they went to her, and... It, that's the cool part about it is to to look at those things, you know, and also, you know, beyond oil, sometimes I hope to get to some of the herbs that my grandmother used to use. I wish she was still alive today for sure. Yeah. Well, and so that's, and I'm glad you touched on that because you mentioned that culture was going to be a big part of it. And I feel like that that is such a welcome twist to, to anything science related because science tends to lean toward just facts, facts, right brain or whatever, whichever one it is like logical thinking. Um, and then for you to throw culture in there, I, I 
think that's important because I think people can get so analytical that they forget to tune into, you know, maybe their ancestry and, and, and that kind of thing. So, and it sounds like your grandma was the inspiration behind that. Absolutely. You know, when I, I, that was one thing, if you're looking at this, at this particular business that I, when I started selling, you know, I stopped because I didn't know why I was selling something. I knew that the oils worked. Uh, I knew that they were quality oils and I loved them and they were great for my family and for, for those that I had sold them to. But what was, how, how could I be, you know, really authentic in the way that I was selling them and presenting them to people because I wanted to connect to what I was doing. And, you know, it's, it, it reminds you, you know, sana sana culito de rana. All of those things, those innuendos, like what do you think when you come in and that's what it was. And when I, when I thought of it, it was actually a different name. I had like reaching essential wellness or something. And, but it didn't resonate with me. And then I thought it was like, saludos, saludos con suraida. But saludos con suraida reflects the way I am too, because I love to include. That's one of my top 10 strengths is includer. Include all these professionals that have such great information and businesses and say, hey, how can I work with you? And how can we promote each other? to help people really tap into and say hello, welcome their health into their lives at any place that they're at. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 20 pounds overweight or 50 pounds overweight or 100, that you can start where you're at for a better life because in the end, it's about quality. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And so for someone, uh, in particular a woman, who wants to get into the STEM fields, what would be your recommendation to them to break through? I think know that, well, I know for sure, know that you, you belong. You don't, you know, belonging and fitting in are two different things. There may be times when you don't fit in. Um, Cause I think when people try to fit in, they change who they are. Yes. Or they start changing who they are and then you don't succeed. Um, or it, it's really hard. It's draining. If you're not being authentic to yourself, it is draining and tiring. And know that you you belong. That nobody can't tell you that you you don't belong. If you want to be you know a shark person, then you you do it. It's not going to be easy because whether you're a person of color or not, the, the field is not easy to get into. But at the same time, um, having that mindset going into you that you're going to work hard and you're going to that there's a place for you. And if there's not one, that you make one, right? We we do it all the time. You make one. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so powerful. And so how can people get in contact with you? For Gulf Reach, um, they can contact me at my email. Um, they can go, we, have, we do have a Facebook page. It's the Gulf Reach Institute. And Saludos Consulada will launch this weekend. That's also a, fa- a Facebook page. So just, you know, you can just uh, search that. Or just email me directly. I'm at S-N-A-N-E-Z james at gmail.com um i'm going to be changing some things in the future but right now that's the business one that we have um i'm actually talking to some marketing people right up to the skull so right on um, to help he's yeah dylan's awesome but we're going to be doing some uh, some things in the future so it may change but right now you know don't be afraid to contact me by phone my number is 361-739-6365 and again my email address is you guys are welcome to, to contact me with any questions or if you want to partner or if you want to, if you think you want to promote your business somehow, uh, that dealing with health, I'd be happy to, to work with you. 
Oh, you're awesome. Suraida, I want to thank you so much for spending your evening talking to me, for all that you're doing for the community, and for just being your awesome self. I appreciate you so much, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much, Brittany. Uh, I love you and your show, and that's been my podcast. I've been kind of listening to your podcast because I um, haven't, you know, gone through all of them yet, but this has been a pleasure, and I just pray that I can you know, keep, keep serving our community here and, and beyond. You know, we have, my, my dream is to reach as far as we can. I have no doubt that you will. Thank you again, Suraida.